Why did the chicken use a checklist? To make sure he didn't wing it. <laughs> Want to know where I got that zinger? I asked ChatGPT to write me an SEO-rich dad joke on checklists. Y'all not bad. Not bad. <laughs> so... Do you ever have days where you are so focused, you know, like on life, you're getting people dressed and out the door, you're getting yourself to work, you're prepped for meetings, you're getting ready to turn this into that person and put out that fire and the groceries ordered. And then you look up and you realize that the day's over and you haven't even started dinner. What if in the midst of chaos and complexity, a simple list could be a lifesaver? That a simple list could help you harness the power of routine open up the possibility of delegation, and create a bit of space on an otherwise wild day. Y'all, today I am checking in with you, and then I'm going to dive deep into the power of checklists. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of planning or goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If that sounds like you, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, and business owner. I started this podcast to help hardworking women and high-achieving mamas plan and set goals playfully and lightly. Unlike pressure-filled approaches, Plan Goal Plan centers on what delights you to help you envision all the possibilities your future holds. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I'm going to guide you through practices that will help you plan for clarity, set goals for direction, and act with purpose and delight. Let's get started. Before I dive into today's topic, I have a favor to ask of you. If you could, I would love it. I would super appreciate it if you would go onto Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. It is the number one way that you can connect with me, thank me, offer me your support, And to express my gratitude to you for listening to this podcast, check out the show notes. In there, there is a link that will take you to a free plan, goal, plan, starter pack. So there are monthly, weekly, and daily spreads in there, both on a Sunday or a Monday start. There's a meal planner, a habit tracker. There's all sorts of fun things in there. So go leave me a review. And then when you are done, check out the show notes and grab yourself a free planner pack. Do it, y'all my way of saying thank you. I want to begin this episode with a bit of a story. And this is a story that I found in an article in the New Yorker called The Checklist written by Atul Gawande. And I will talk about Gawande's work a little bit later in this episode as well. The story begins like this. A three-year-old girl fell into an icy fish pond in a small Austrian town in the Alps. And she was lost beneath the surface for 30 minutes before her parents found her on the pond bottom and pulled her up. Oh, I can't even imagine that horror. So following instructions from emergency physician on the phone, they began CPR. And a rescue team arrived eight minutes later. The girl had a body temperature of 66 degrees and no pulse. Her pupils were dilated and did not react to light indicating that her brain was no longer working. The emergency technicians continued CPR anyway, and then a a helicopter 
took her to a nearby hospital where she was wheeled directly into the operating room and a surgical team put her on a heart-lung bypass machine. So between the transport time and the time it took to plug in the inflow and outflow lines into the vessels of her right leg, she had been lifeless for an hour and a half. And by the two-hour mark, her body temperatures had risen almost 10 degrees and her heart began to beat. It was the first organ to come back. And then after six hours, her core temperature reached 98.6 degrees. The team tried to put her on a breathing machine, but the pond water had damaged her lungs too severely for oxygen to reach her blood, so they switched her to an artificial lung system, and then the surgeons opened up her chest down the middle and basically sewed this unit into her heart, and then they moved the girl into intensive care with her chest still open, and a day later her lungs had recovered sufficiently enough for them to switch her from this mechanical ventilator to close her chest. So over the next two days, all of her organs had recovered, except for her brain. She had swelling, and they did end up needing to drill a hole to release some of the pressure, but she slowly did come back to life. First, her pupils began to react to light. Next, she began to breathe on her own, and then one day she simply awoke And two weeks after the accident, she went home. That is a miracle. And her right leg and her left arm were partially paralyzed. And her speech was thick and blurry. But by age five, after a lot of outpatient therapy, she had recovered her faculties completely. She was like any little girl again. This story is absolutely astounding. What makes her recovery astounding isn't just the idea that someone could come back from two hours in a state that once would have been considered death, it's also the idea that a group of people in an ordinary hospital could do something so enormously complex. To save this child, they had to carry out thousands of steps correctly. So how did they do it? Atul Gawande is a surgeon, and he is also a phenomenal storyteller. It's almost not fair that someone should be so talented (laughs) at so many things. So he has a book called The Checklist Manifesto. Um, What I just read for, for you was an excerpt from an article in The New Yorker, but he also has a book called The Checklist Manifesto. And he is writing from a surgeon's perspective to make a case for why checklists are so important. Now, you might be thinking, Daniel, I do not need to carry out surgery. No, you don't. But sometimes <laughs> the complexity of our lives feels as complex that we are juggling so many things across so many different areas. Our lives are complex. Our lives are complex, right? So I wanted to create an episode to share with you a little bit about what a checklist is and how to make one and how can you really harness the power of checklists in your daily lives. So what is a checklist not? I want to start with that first. So what is a checklist not? So a checklist is not a to-do list. That's right, y'all. Checklists and to-do lists are different things, and I'm going to teach you the difference. So a to-do list is a list of tasks that you need to accomplish. What do you need to do? These items are not necessarily connected. So my to-do list this morning has me sending work emails, grading, checking on a personal bank account, 
printing off some stuff for taxes, remember to dress up my kid for dress up days at school, and on and on and on. Now, I might choose to put them in an order, but the order does not necessarily lead me to accomplishing a particular project or process. Checklists are written guides that walk you through key steps in a procedure. And this procedure can be simple. What are the steps to clean my kitchen? Or they can be as complex as the story that I told you at the beginning of this episode. So in other words, a checklist names what needs to get done and how to get it done. A to-do list just names what needs to get done. So a checklist names both the what and the how. A checklist ensures that all necessary steps or tasks are completed and organize those tasks in an efficient manner. All right, I want to go back to Atul Gawande and his work. He really is a brilliant storyteller. If you're like, Danielle, I just don't know that I want to read a book called The Checklist Manifesto. He he tells beautiful, beautiful stories, and it's really fascinating to get a sneak peek into the world of medicine and healthcare. If you aren't in that field and think about how it is that they organize tasks in a surgical unit. He also has a book called Being Moral that's also really beautiful. So in his book, he sort of starts out and he says that there's errors of ignorance and there's errors of ineptitude. And errors of ignorance are when we don't know something. But he says that most of our modern day problems are errors of ineptitude. That we actually do know a solution. We just aren't carrying it out. And I really, really, really agree with him. It's clear to me that a lot of our problems today are what we would call like problems of persuasion. That we know the solution, but how we get people to adopt that solution. How we persuade people to actually do the things that we know would solve that problem is where we're sort of at. Okay. So he says that checklists are a way to address errors of ineptitude. For example, in the medical field, when you know all the steps that you need to do to save someone's life, how can you reduce errors? How can you improve efficiency? Because efficiency matters so much there, right? So checklists do this. They reduce errors and they improve efficiency or they make things faster. A lot of times in the productivity world, and (laughs) I try to resist the concept of productivity. Yes, I want you all to do the things that matter to you, but I don't necessarily want people to value productivity over their own well-being. But in the area of productivity, you'll hear people discuss the concepts of automation, delegation, and deletion. I'll do an episode on that sometime. But one of the things that I really love about checklists is that checklists make something what I would describe as semi-automatic and they make delegation possible. So they're not quite automation or habits because you're using a list to guide you. So it's not fully automatic. But like a habit, you don't really have to think about it. So once habits are established, you do it automatically, almost without thinking. It's unconscious. And checklists sort of relieve you of the mental load of remembering all of the tasks in that order. It does the work for you when your brain needs to be doing other things. 
having a really good checklist also makes delegation possible because you are writing down exactly what needs to be done in what order. Now you can say, hey, I can't do this, can you? So this is really helpful when you have processes or procedures that you need to be able to pass to another person to do the work. So where can you use checklists? Do you need to be a surgeon? Absolutely not. (laughs) You can use checklists everywhere and for pretty much everything. (laughs) So I have checklists in my personal life. I use it when I want to deep clean different areas. So I have a checklist for deep cleaning the kitchen, deep cleaning the bathroom, my closet. So anytime I want to do those tasks, I know an order that makes sense and I know an order that is efficient and it keeps me on point because if, I don't know if you all ever have this happen, but sometimes when I clean, I'll be in the kitchen and I will take a toy that my kids had in the kitchen into their playroom and then I will find a heaping pile of mess in the playroom and I'll start cleaning that instead of the kitchen And then I'll go back to the kitchen and I won't remember where I was at. If this has ever happened to you, and I think it probably has, a checklist is really, really helpful because it can help you not get distracted. So for example, one of the first things on my checklist is to have an empty laundry basket where I can put any items from my kitchen that do not belong in my kitchen into the basket. And so I can just drop it there. And then I keep working on the checklist in the kitchen and it keeps me a little bit more on task. And then at the end of that, I have this laundry basket with all of these misplaced items. And then I can take a tour of my house (laughs) and put everything back where it belongs. So I use checklists in my personal life, in my home. I particularly like it for cleaning that doesn't necessarily take place every single day. So it isn't a habit. So my monthly cleaning items like, ooh, I need to remember to actually, you know, run a clean cycle on my dishwasher or on my washing machine. These are tasks that I can put on my monthly cleaning list, Uh, actually wiping down your trash can and, you know, things like that, that you're probably not going to do every single day. You're may not even do it every single week, but once a month you want to remember it, I have my monthly cleaning checklist. And I have it organized so that I'm doing tasks that are either similar all at once or tasks that happen in the same space together before I move on. In my professional life, I find tasks incredibly helpful. Like I said, um, if you've been listening to this podcast, one of my jobs is that I run a theater and We are very, very, very low staffed. It's me. It's me. It's me and a graduate student and and an undergrad. And we have a blast together. But there are a lot of tasks that every time you put on a performance, you have to go through. There are tasks related to publicity. So we know that we have to create posters. We know that we have to create programs. We have a list of all of the places that posters need to go across campus. We have to put it on our campus calendar. We need to get a press release made. All of these things have to happen. What are the order that they need to happen? And what are the different steps 
that we need to go through for each of those things to go out because we want to fill the seats of our theater because our students have worked so, so, so hard to create these performances. I also have checklists for cleaning our theater that we go through at the end of each semester. But one of the most amazing things about having these really clear checklists is that I am able to delegate those tasks to other people. Or if we have to hire someone new, which we just did, we had to hire a new stage manager, it makes onboarding so much easier if you have a really clear set of checklists and they know where they're at. So if I'm not around and they need to accomplish some things, they can pull out those checklists and they can go. I also use this to delegate tasks to my kids. When I was teaching my kids how to get ready in the morning, I created, using pictures, a list of things that they needed to do. So put on clothes, eat breakfast, pack your book bag, brush your teeth, brush your hair, put on your shoes. And I had little pictures. In each picture, we put Velcro around it so that they could tear it open every single morning. And then as they completed each item on the list, they could close up the the picture with the Velcro. And it was really fun. The Velcro is like satisfying. It makes a good sound and, you know, it's fun for them to do, but they could learn. So if they would say to me, mom, what do I need to do to get ready this morning? Or I could say, go to the list. Where are you at? Um, It also made it so that they could do it without me. They could do it without me. I don't have to nag at them as much. They can just look at the pictures. Checklists are awesome because you can delegate things to other people. So how do you create an effective checklist? Like with so many things, I think the very first step is to determine and name the purpose. What is the purpose of this checklist? What is its objective? Why is it important? Can you name those things? Especially if you're going to delegate to other people, making sure that they know the objective and that they understand the importance of the list as well as each of the items on the list is really helpful. So taking the time to first explain why the list is the list is a really helpful tool. So determine the purpose of the checklist and know why you're using it. Second, you really want to define the scope and the parameters of the checklist. So I could have a checklist that would help me clean my entire home. That is a little bit bonkers. (laughs) Like that's probably going to be a little overwhelming. It makes sense for me to create smaller checklists with smaller scopes. So kitchen, closet, bathroom. Now, if I wanted to go on a cleaning spree and clean all of my house, I would probably just take all those checklists. So you want to define the scope and the parameters of the checklist that you're using. What is it going to actually help you get done What are its limits? Then I want you to make a list of all of the tasks or items on your checklist. And I say tasks and items because I realize that I've been talking mostly about tasks, but you also might have checklists that are item-based. So for example, I do have checklists for every time that we travel. What are all of the items that need to go in my kids' suitcases? What are all the items that need to go in my suitcase? I have a checklist of everything that needs to go in my kid's book bag on a daily basis. So I can just quick 
look at my refrigerator, go, did I get all those things in his book bag? Yep, I did. All right, we can go. So you also then want to organize those items in a logical order. So you're going to first just make a list, you know, do a brain sweep of all of the things that need to happen. And then you're going to want to organize them in a logical order. I know that I talk about her a lot, but I learned this from Lisa Woodruff on Organize 365, that when I clean my kitchen, to start with clearing off your countertops. This didn't make sense to me at first because I was like, why would I clear off my countertops? Because I'm going to put other things on it and then it's going to make a mess. She explained, well, it's because you're going to put other things on it and you need to have space. So if you're going to clean out your silverware drawer, you're going to need a place to set it. And if you have a stack of bills sitting on your countertop, you can't just plop your silverware drawer out onto it and use that space to organize. So clean off your countertop first and then start doing your other things because now you're going to have a place to take all of your cups when you take them out of your cabinet and wipe things down. So you want to organize things in a logical manner and you might think about what order makes the most sense and what order is most efficient. You also want to keep your checklist simple and easy to use. It shouldn't be overly complicated. A checklist is meant to make things easy. And if you make it overly complicated, you're also going to lose the ability to use that checklist to delegate. So you want to keep it really simple. You want to make it easy to use. I also recommend that you find a place to store the checklist so that they are easily available for you to use. So because I'm clearly a huge nerd about this, I like to print out my checklists and then I laminate them. I use a checklist for my face routine. (laughs) So when I wash my face every morning and night, I have a list of products that I use on which day, and I keep that in a drawer with all of my face products. So I can open up my drawer, I can look down, what's on Monday morning? All right, that's what I'm putting on my face, and that's the order that I put them on. And now I know that I'm not going to be using two products at one time that are canceling things out. I know that if I'm going to use a product that's going to make me sensitive to the sun, that I also have a plan for putting on sunscreen and that that sunscreen is the last item on my checklist. So I like to put checklists right where I'm going to use them. So in my kitchen, I have something called a Sunday basket on my counter. And in there, I have laminated checklists for cleaning. I have my monthly checklist and my weekly cleaning checklist for the kitchen right on my refrigerator. I have a checklist for things for my kids for school right on the refrigerator. So I put the checklists where I can see them and in the area that I'm going to use them. Now you do need to regularly review and update your checklist. So I like to hyperlink. I think hyperlinking is magic. I still feel that way. I don't know if the younger generation thinks of it that way, but hyperlinks are kind of cool. You know, you just like embed the link there and then you can click it and it takes you right where you need to be. So while this is really awesome, a lot of my checklists, for example, at work will have, okay, you need to submit this form and I'll hyperlink the form that needs to get submitted. So I make it as easy as possible for someone to use that checklist. Now, the downside to that is websites change, URLs change. 
new forms are made and I need to go through it regularly and make sure that that checklist is still up to date, that it's the hyperlinks are taking people where they need to go. Um, sometimes our equipment changes. And so I'm going to have to create a new checklist because the process for using that new equipment is going to change. We also might modify the checklist as we go along because we might figure out, oh, I put this in this order because it seemed logical when I was sitting in my office imagining doing this task. But now that I'm actually doing it, I realize that I want to work through this in a slightly different order. In practice, that's just going to be more efficient or more logical or whatever. So you need to regularly review and update your checklist. All right, y'all. I talked about checklists a lot today. (laughs) Isn't it wild sometimes where you're like, I didn't know that I could talk about something like a checklist for so long and that there'd be so many things to think about it. But there are. And they're incredibly useful. And like I said, if you haven't read any of Atul Gawande's work, go for it. He is a master storyteller. And it really isn't. It isn't fair that someone is so good at storytelling and is such an accomplished surgeon. Um, but he is. And I'm. Fa- it's fantastic to get to read the work of someone so talented. And I highly recommend it. To recap a couple of things. Checklists and to-do lists are different things. Checklists are written guides that walk you through key steps in a procedure, and that procedure could be simple or complex. You should use checklists because they help you reduce errors, they improve your efficiency, but they're also semi-automatic, which allows you to relieve the mental load of tasks or projects. They also open up the possibility of delegation. You should use checklists everywhere in your personal or your professional life. And to create an effective checklist, you need to determine the purpose and the why of the checklist. You need to define the scope and parameters of the list. Then you're going to make a list of all of the different tasks or items that need to be included on the checklist. Then you are going to organize them in a logical manner. You want to keep it simple and you want to make it easy to use. The checklist mindset, in my opinion, is all about embracing the power of structure and simplicity to achieve our goals and live our best lives. It's about recognizing that sometimes in the midst of chaos and complexity, a simple list can be a lifesaver. A checklist is more than just a list of items to be completed. It can also be a tool for self-awareness. It can keep you accountable. When we adopt a checklist mindset, we cultivate a sense of control, clarity, and purpose in our lives. We can use checklists to break down complex tasks into manageable steps. We can prioritize our to-do list and stay on track. So by embracing this checklist mindset, we can learn to harness the power of routine and a routine can help us live our lives more fully. So it's all about developing a systems of checks and balances that support our well-being, enhances our focus and productivity, and helps us live our best lives. I hope that this podcast has helped you imagine a way that you could use a simple list to harness the power of routine, that you're starting to imagine the possibilities of delegation, and that you might be able to create a bit of space on an otherwise wild day. Y'all, I checked in 
I checked in with you and we dove deep into the power of checklists. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all, so pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.